Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. And welcome to Frankie Sense and More. I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and I'm so glad that you have joined me today. Do we ever have a great show in store for you? If you're a fan, then you already know that Frankie Sense is aligned with the United Nations Global Goals Initiative. It's a 17-point plan to end poverty, combat climate change, and fight injustice and equality. Nothing better than that. The Global Goals are the biggest attempt in history of the human race to make the world a better place. And today, you will see how my two guests, Amanda Saderhelm and Deborah Acker, fit into that model. But first, a feel-good story to demonstrate how one man changed the world when he got the call. As you know, changing the world is something that is near and dear to my heart. But changing the world doesn't have to mean the whole world, maybe just one person's world. And this is just what 28-year-old Eugene Yoon did when he made what he calls the craziest decision of his life. He remembers just looking up at the sky and saying, God, are you sure about this? Because I'm pretty happy right now. Like many of us, when we hear the call, we pretend we didn't. We try to go about our business, but trust me, I know, the universe knows where we live. And it knocked on his door again and again. He tried to reject it for two months because it was just too outlandish a thought. What happened was Eugene felt that he was called to do a really big random act of kindness. He didn't know who he was supposed to help. All he knew was that he was going to help someone, and it had to be life-altering. And then he saw a video. It was a video of a guy he'd never met. His name was Arthur Renowitzki. He's a paraplegic. He was wearing this T-shirt with these big, bold letters, I will walk again. After being mugged, shot, and paralyzed eight years ago, Arthur vowed that he would walk again someday. And when Eugene saw the video, he called Arthur immediately. He said he wasn't going to give up until I was walking in. And that, you know, Arthur said it was incredible. So Eugene, who is not a doctor, he actually has a film degree. He said, what makes you wonder, how are you going to help make Arthur walk again? He goes, that's the part. I've got no idea. It's so cool. So eventually he learned about exoskeleton device that can help some people walk. But it costs $80,000. So to pay for it, Eugene actually quit his job at a research company in Northern California. He decided to hike from the Mexican-California uh, Mexican border to Canada. And along the way, he posted videos of his adventure. He asked people to donate on social media until he got to about mid-Washington State. And that's when Eugene learned that he had reached his fundraising goal. So how cool is that? Quit his job, went into debt help this guy get back on his feet, not something that people do every day. Eugene really felt committed to making a difference in someone's life. And when he heeded that call, he had no idea how that would, how that would you know, work out for him. But it did. And when he said when he first saw Arthur walk, like, he had tears in his eyes. The two are, are close. They call each other brother now. And I just think that's an amazing story. As I stated, I've also got two incredible ladies as my guests today. And they both help other people. Amanda 
hails from across the pond, where she has several roles as artist, author, and certified play therapist with her business, Helping Children Smile Again, which she set up in 2014. She provides play um, therapy and creative art services to children and their families in the East Midlands. She lives in the UK. And her therapy service provides primary school-aged children with positive outcomes in the recovery from loss and trauma. And so to this end, she authored a book that's um, titled one, uh, sorry, it's titled, Amanda, help me out here. What's your book titled? <laughs> <laughs> it's called Isaac and the Red Jumper. That's right. Isaac and the Red Jumper. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know where, where I went from this, but it's a really cool little book in, in the, the, um, the pictures are just glorious. The colors are amazing. It's a really cute little book. And what was really amazing to me was that when I was reading on your site, um, it said that one child in every classroom is bereaved. That's a huge number. It is a huge number. And it's, it's not a statistic that many people are aware of. And I think that's partly my mission is to make people aware that these children are largely invisible. You know, in classrooms, uh, they're, they're very often the quiet, un, unspoken children and they get overlooked so, yeah, it's, it's a huge number of children who carry that loss around all day with them and really have, have no one to talk to about it. Yeah, they can't talk to their families because their families are grieving. Exactly. And I think children process grief in a very different way from adults. Um, adults generally, you know, talk about things. They like to talk things out, whereas children children don't they find it quite confrontational um and they don't want to burden their their family with their their fears and their anxieties so they keep them inside and you know that's where the problems start really as we know when we keep things locked in they have a habit of leaking out in all the wrong places right and and so what would you do as a as a um play therapist what would you do with these kids how would they demonstrate yeah, the, the purpose of uh, play therapy is to give children a, a safe space in which they can literally play out their their anxieties and their feelings, um, generally through playing with toys. So they might draw a picture, they'll, you know, beat a drum, make some clay objects. They tell their story through objects and they make stories in the sand uh, they draw lots of pictures so by paying attention to what they do and how they do it the colors they might use the textures gives me an insight into their inner life and their feelings okay so how long might you work with a child Usually I work with children a minimum of 12 weeks because we believe that that's the minimum period it takes for a child to have a, you know, have a journey really, um, tell their story. It's important to build rapport, build trust. That all takes time. And once right. I have their trust, um, they feel safe. And when they feel safe, they will, they will share. And that's, that's very therapeutic for them and it's healing for them. And that's, that's really what they need. Excellent work. So in the book, I was very surprised because in your book, um, you've got two characters and they're both male and they knit. <laughs> and, and, you know, not to say there's anything wrong with I know, and you I knit, know. nothing wrong with it. It was a little surprising though. Yeah. Um, and he lost his best friend and, yes. you know, who he knit with and then all the colors in the world went away and, and his red jumper turned, and that's a sweater for the people over here, uh, turned, turned gray. Yes. No more color in his life. How did you come to choose those two characters? Oh, you know, Frankie, I wish I could come up with some really clever, witty response to this question. But the truth is, um, the characters came to me. 
that the story came to me in a dream. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I was not prepared for it. I had no intention of writing children's books. I thought I was going to write adult fiction. And the story literally came to me in a dream one night, and I woke up with Isaac, the, the character of Isaac, in my, in my head, and I literally grabbed my notebook, scribbled the whole story down, went back to sleep, and in the morning I said to my husband, I think I've written a, I think I've written a book. And he said, what do you mean? I said, oh, well, I've, I've written this story. And it was literally the whole, pretty much the whole story of Isaac and the Red Jumper, how they, they knitted together. And the knitting is really, uh, again, a metaphor for joining forces, knitting together people right. in terms of friendship, uh, love, connection, finding those connections. Um, and people have commented on the whole knitting uh, I bet they do. Upon <laughs> the strand of the story, but right. in fact, it, here I don't know about in the states, but here, children of of both genders are encouraged to to knit as a as a creative practice, and, and little knitting groups are quite popular now. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's one of the curiosities of the creative process, really, that that Isaac and Freddie do do knit together. Yeah. Ah. Wow. Now you, <laughs> I love it. It's really cute. Do you, um, sorry. Uh, I was just thinking about the, you have another book, you have an adult book that you did yes, write and did. you, you had ovarian cancer, mm. um, in your forties, you said, yes. and thank goodness that it was a disease that was diagnosed early. And I, it's funny because I'm in my late fifties and I just went to, uh, for a pap. And my doctor says that in the infinite wisdom of our healthcare, they've decided that now women are going to go every three years. And so there's going to be a lot of people falling through the cracks and they're not going to be caught as, as soon. So, mm. you know, she said, you can go to private, uh, private healthcare and, and get your every, you know, 18 months or something, which makes a lot of sense because we're, I'm actually in the group that's, you know, bound to get it right now. So, Thank goodness, because it's, it, you know, you can literally go from a diagnosis to death in a couple of weeks. Oh, absolutely. And this is, this is one of the um, issues I have about ovarian cancer. It's very often diagnosed too late. Um, when the symptoms uh, appear, it's generally, um, it, may, it may be too late. So the only test that will mark ovarian cancer is called CA125. And if if you're concerned at all about symptoms, that's the test to get. That's the blood test to get, which will highlight it. I was really lucky. Mine was mine was caught literally the day before my 40th birthday. Uh, I'd, I'd had an IVF scan, and it was the IVF scan that saved my life. That because that revealed the cancer. So you know, uh, if I hadn't had that scan, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. Yeah. So you said um, you, you wrote that that writing coming to my senses and mm. was really the impetus for you to become a play therapist. Yes. Yes. It, it was really, in fact, uh, writing Isaac and the red jumper was the first, um, the first signpost for that really, because I think writing that the year, pretty much the year before I was diagnosed was kind of a premonition of some of the issues I would face in terms of looking at my own mortality, oh. uh, and provided a, an early introduction to some of the healing I would I would do and I painted a lot I did art therapy and and I think writing coming to my senses uh, enabled me to make sense of my next step my new direction in life which was you know to train as a as a play therapist and to work with children so really in a way Isaac was my first 
my first client, if you like, you know, he, he was the model for that. And I knew then that um, although I wasn't going to have children of my own, I was in fact going to work and make it my life's work to work with children, um, which is what I'm doing. Excellent. We're about to go to a break. I don't want anyone to go anywhere because we're going to come back and we're going to hear a lot more about a lot of things. <laughs> I promise <laughs> you that. <laughs> so stick around. And don't go anywhere, like I said, because we're going to come back and talk to Amanda. We're going to talk to Deborah, and we're going to find out about some really cool stuff. Don't go away. Here we go to break. Heck no. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Think engaging in small talk with prospective clients before business negotiations is a good idea? A new study from Nova Consulting Group suggests that it all depends on whether you are male or female. The study found that a little chatter by female professionals before a meeting will generally produce a positive image but not always positive results. However, male professionals who begin negotiations with a little small talk usually glean favorable returns. This is because there is a preconception that women are already expected to be more communicative than men. And when a man makes small talk, he is perceived as friendlier and likable. But beware that babblery or gossip will only get you into trouble. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. Who's smarter, dogs or cats? Cat owners, prepare to extend your claws. Studies at Oxford University suggest canines are smarter than felines because dogs are more interactive. Cats prefer to be left alone and mollycoddled. Dogs also have to listen to all our belly-ragging commands, such as sit, shake, roll over, quit barking, and get off the couch. In addition to understanding the human language, dogs seem to know the difference between right and wrong. In fact, dogs fit the definition of a snap sauce perfectly. A snap sauce is someone who purposefully sneaks the last bite when no one is looking. Our angelic-looking Boston Terrier would always wait until my husband walked out the door before jumping on the couch. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. And we're back with Amanda Saderhelm. We're back with Deborah Acker. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. Welcome again to Frankie Sense and More. And we've been speaking to Amanda about her role as a play therapist, about the early cancer diagnosis that she had, thank God. Um, and so she's been clear for all, 14 years or more. And about the books that she wrote, Coming to My Senses and Isaac and the, um, the Red Jumper. What was Coming to My Senses about? Literally that, come, becoming aware of um, the very different aspects of my life, which at the time of my cancer diagnosis were very fragmented. And, you know, I was very stressed. I had a high-powered job in publishing, uh, which, you know, had been very rewarding. But I was approaching a, a big birthday and I think looking for looking for some answers about what my life was going to involve next. And I think 
coming to my senses was a way for me to bring all those different strands together and right. explain um, what life was going to be like, you know, after cancer. How would I, how would I manage to um, find a way through it? That the, the treatment. How had I been fortunate enough to be one of the thirty percent of women who survive ovarian cancer? Because only thirty percent do survive, which is a right. horrendous statistic. It is a horrendous statistic. Yeah, and I'd had a lot of great support. I'd found great mentors, uh, my family, um, but. I think most importantly, I'd, I painted, you know, I painted over 200 paintings wow. uh, during my, my treatment. And it was, it was a way for me, like the children really, to express my concerns, Thanks. my fears. Yeah, my fear of dying right. um, through, the, through the paint rather than... And what did you like, paint with, acrylics or oils or...? I started with acrylics and then I started using watercolors and I started mixing them um, but I pretty much use a no brush technique, so uh, it's it's a really intuitive way of painting. So rather than using a paintbrush, I mix different colours and uh, have a have a technique of of not actually using a brush, which gives a more direct and. What do you uh, use? A hand? You throw it on? I'm I'm an artist, so I'm asking you. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. How do we? Yeah, do this without I literally do throw it on and pour it, swirl yeah. it turn it, twist it, uh, fold it, um, and then I sort of prop them up in the house and leave them. And, you know, they, they do over a period of time change, as you, you'll know, yeah. that you just get a different look or feel about a painting. Um, and what, yeah. You do, you do. And you don't always see them at the beginning, do you? You don't always notice yeah. it at the beginning. Um, I no, I actually like, I'm a more of a writer. I mean, I enjoy painting, but I don't do it as like a regular practice. I'm more, I'm more like, I like working out and writing and okay. <laughs> movement, movement. Yeah. Have you ever had one of those spiritual paintings done where they, you know, the woman, they add color and then they, they fold it together and they say a prayer or something and then they open it up and they give it to you and they go here and then you take it home and you see your spirit mm. guides, you see all mm. you see all kinds of really cool things in them. I actually have somebody drawing for me right now. Um, you know, he does a call and you get on the call and you like talk about what your vision is for your life. And then it's like an artistic vision board. Right. So instead of obviously just going into like magazines and like cutting out words or drawing like pictures, he actually takes like what, you know, kind of basically the energy of what, um, your words of your words. And he translates that into a beautiful, gorgeous, like visual picture of your vision. Um, it's really fabulous. Like I'm so excited and he'll do a sketch first. You can, you know, let give him input and let him know like, okay, here's, you know, here's what's working. Here's what I'd like to see more of. And then he just keeps modifying until you get to something that feels really good. And then, yeah, he, he's, I think he's doing mine with like, uh, like water, watercolors, I think, or something. Right. He's doing it with some sort of pretty natural um, look. So I'm so I'm really excited to actually get the picture and see, you know, just see the translation of it. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there's so much going on in art, isn't there, Amanda? You've got color therapy mm. going on. You've got, you know, which makes some people like myself, I have to make very colorful paintings because the color makes me feel good. And, you know, and then you've got the image and you've got you manifest some people are, you know, through the images, not the words. And some people need words and it's all exciting and everybody sees something different. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think the great thing is that it, it bypasses the left side of the brain. So, you know, for those of us who are analytical or, you know, thinking a lot, I think painting can 
sidestep that and make it easier for you to self-express, really. Right. Well, we got three authors here, um, and we're no shortage of words, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's meet Deborah. I'll introduce you to Deborah, and then we can we can still carry on. Deborah is an intuitive coach and an energy healer, and the host of Truth Talk Radio, and on Transformation Talk Radio. And she works with clients to powerfully break through patterns and move into their authentic truth. Now, truth is something that's very important to Deborah. And on her site, it said, uh, you said, I couldn't be everything to everyone, so I just started being everything to me. Now, your journey started because of a failed relationship attempt. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, it was like, it was a few years ago now, several, actually several years ago now. And I, you know, I had been, like for years, had been aware of uh, the type of guy that I was attracting. I was attracting that same guy over and over and over again. I had the awareness, you know, I was consciously making a different choice and yet was still calling in the same right. type of person over and over. And it was basically at that point when I just reached a breaking point, I was like, you know, I had been going through therapy with the same person for several years and it really wasn't, nothing was changing, right? Nothing was really working. And, you know, it was at that time that I reached a breaking point. I was like, this something really has to change. Like, and I think, you know, um, even Amanda was like sharing, it's like, um, was sort of, you know, we get to that point in our life where it's like, just, you know, something just has to change. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for me that meant just taking massive action, right? Massive action in a different direction, massive action around, um, you know, doing something new to try to change that pattern. And, you know, through, uh, you know, the, the impetus of my journey. And as I've gone through this journey, I really, I was soup because I had felt the pain of that relationship pattern so many times. Mm -hmm. I went on this quest for, to, to, to determine how do you undo? Cause like, I believe like patterns are energy and Amanda's like talking about the impact, you know, that, uh, different situations have on us in childhood. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I believe that there is a moment in childhood, uh, that, you know, it may even seem like something really simple, right. It might not be, it might just be a time when a parent said no to you, but mm -hmm. I believe that that, um, time in childhood, we take on, you know, that, that holds a lot of energy, right? Mm -hmm. And we end up storing that energy, that emotion, that feeling in our body. Um, and then, you know, if we don't get the opportunity to say what it is that that little uh, kid, child needed to say in that moment, then we end up playing out those patterns in everyday life. So like, Amanda, I think it's so beautiful that mm. you're giving children the space to be able to, um, you know, to release. be able to really, yeah, release that and, and, and not have them. Cause it's like, otherwise, you know, you end up going into your adult life and you're just, you're trying to change things. And a lot of times we're not even conscious of what we're doing or why we're, you know, attracting the same thing over and over. Absolutely. And so, you know, you're trying to, you know, trying to change something and it's like, you, you can't. So basically the work that I do with my clients is really to give them that space to release the emotion, that energy from that one moment, we clear out all that energy and all of a sudden it gives them the space to attract something new, attract something that's really truthful to them. So it's really, it's a really beautiful thing. So truth is, is not the truth. Truth is uh, not because we, you know, I could say, I think that this is my truth, but it's not the truth. It's, it's the um, persona that I wear 
truth. Yeah, absolutely. Not the real truth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like, I call it inherited truth, right? Right. Okay. You know, and so it's our inherited truth from our parents and that, you know, they took on the, the, the truth from their right. parents and we're just care We're walking around thinking, okay, I'm living a life from my truth, but what it, where's your truth? Where has your truth come from? Is it right. your, your absolute honest truth or is it just like the truth of your parents? Like maybe, you know, you were growing up and there was a lot of struggle in your world and you're like, right. okay, life is hard. Right. You know, is that really your truth or is that just the truth that you, that you saw when you were, you know, when you were growing up? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So think- you, there's many words for that. Um, <clears throat> but truth is a good one. And, and, and uh-huh. so you, you want to challenge your beliefs. It's a belief system, really, what you're talking about. And you want to challenge those beliefs and ask yourself. I, I wrote about this in my book, Midlife Mojo. You know, you need to ask yourself, am I really afraid of spiders? Or is it just that my mom's really afraid of them? And so I'm going to be too. Because we do it automatically without thinking. But nobody ever really stops and questions their beliefs in, until we tell them that they need to. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I call it. Sorry, I call it the shifting the narrative. Um, yes. Deborah, you know, what you call finding that I think it's so true what you say about inheriting uh, stories from our from our past. And, you know, the body remembers it has its truth of its own. It will remember those um, those stories and store them in the cells. And then, you know, eventually if they're not if they're not transformed into something else, they like a truth. Um, it can become a disease. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it just ends up. Well, and the thing is, is like you were talking about, you know, sort of, um, you know, your, your transition and sort of how your transition came about and with, you know, everything that had helped happened with your health. And it's like, sometimes it takes something really big in our life. Like mm. we get the, we get these small signs that are coming up over and over and over again. And it's like, yes. Oh, okay. Okay. And you kind of just keep going. And sometimes it takes something really big. It's like a big um, stop sign. Right. And it's like, yeah. it takes something just really big to go. No. It's time to stop. It's time to slow down. You're supposed to be going in a different different direction. You haven't heard the you know the other signs. It's like it's time to move in that direction. And so um, I just think it's really I like I think it's so interesting like the messages that our body has for us and just some of the warning signs really starting to pay. You know, a lot of us we kind of just go through life and it's like to really if we could really pay attention to the signs that are that can be coming our way to create you know to to tell us okay it's time to shift. Absolutely. I mean, I wish I'd known you all that those years ago, Deborah. <laughs> Save me so much. Trouble. She wasn't alive. Yeah, absolutely. Intuition and paying, you know, listening. I say that that's what really I, I'm providing for the children is just a, a way, a space for them to start listening. You know, yeah. we have to listen to our bodies, listen to ourselves. Absolutely. And we need to, like in that story, you know, we need to listen to the universe because it really does call on us, um, even if we don't want it to. We're about to go to a break. Please don't go anywhere. We have lots more conversation. We're going to talk, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. So we're going to talk about love in a minute. So don't go anywhere because, you know, I want to know what, what your love of life feels like or love. Do you love yourself? Who do you love? Let's find out when we come back. I know who I love. Do you guys know who you love? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love this show. Right, Karina? (laughs) How long have you been doing this show, Frankie? No, we're just getting warmed up. 
Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. LinkedIn, it's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show, Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on allbusinessradionetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn Lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Pediatrics published a study that said by following three easy, healthy habits, we can lower the risk of childhood obesity. Implementing three family habits, eating dinner together, making sure kids get enough sleep, and limiting TV can help. The combination of these three habits is associated with a lower risk of obesity in children. According to a new study, the study found that children who ate dinner with their families more than five times a week slept for at least 10.5 hours a night and watched less than two hours of TV a day were 40% less likely to be obese than children who did none of those things. Keeping kids active and moving along with these habits will keep the weight off and the energy going. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. And welcome back to Frankie Sense and More. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso, and I'm so glad that you stuck around. So we're, so we're going to talk about love. Now, Deborah, you're doing an experiment called the Truth Experiment in Dating. What is all this about? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so super fun. I'm so, I like, I'm so loving it, right? But, yeah. you know, obviously my, you know, my whole journey's been around living from truth, right? And what that really, really um, looks like. And so it's interesting because, uh, you know, I just really wanted to really begin practicing. Like, I think we as women, especially it's a, it's a strong pattern in women where we tend to put other, um, you know, tend to kind of put our focus on the other person and making that person happy. And so our centering point is always kind of not us. It's like, it's someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm going on dates now, it's that recentering back into me. It's the re looking at me and it's like, okay, in this situation, how can I be true to myself? How can I really honor myself and not, and not being about just kind of saying something to be like, um, I guess like liked by them or to like just sort of to get along and actually really like, what is that focus? How can I really focus on my truth? What is my truth in this moment? And how can I share that with this person in a way that you're trying to be really authentic in your, in your conversation with this person instead of being polite. Right. Instead of being polite or just kind of tiptoeing around. So how is that working for you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been interesting because it was interesting (laughs) because I actually said on a date not that long ago, I was like, I was like, uh, like I was, I, I don't know if I said like, how do you know I'm not operating an experiment here or something? <laughs> like, actually, like, I, 
he, you know, he laughed and I just had, a, I kind of laughed about it because I was like, oh my God, it's the total truth. I put it out there. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean, it's going really, really well because it's like I went on this one date and I left the date. Like, it was so, it was so funny. I, at the end of the date, like, I knew that, like, we weren't really going to go out again, but it was kind of just like, I left the date and I'm like, oh my God, I had so much fun. And what, you know, I, what I didn't say to him is the thought was I had so much fun with myself. Like, it was that, like, <laughs> falling in love with me, right? You know, and just having that time and just really enjoying, like, that, that time that I had with me where I was being me and I was owning who, you know, who I was. So it was just funny because I'm like, oh, my God, I had so much fun. Like, it was like, <laughs> and I just loved that little funny. last piece. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was really fantastic. <laughs> well, you know, I wrote a book about relationships. It's called No Bull Allowed. And... <laughs> <laughs> and and we talk about you know it's actually based on song titles so like 38 song titles and because i thought everything had been written about love in in song so it was like beginnings middles and ends of relationships and kind of like you said at the beginning how not to track the same person again if that's your pattern but it's interesting um because there is a fine line between being yourself being authentic and then just being rude or obnoxious right or right. fighting right like you, you could have a fight just to have one because, you know, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to say what I want. I mean, we can't always say what we want. We can say it in a nice way. Um, and sometimes it's better not to say it at all because it's just going to cause a, an argument. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's some level of like knowing your audience. It's like, right. you know, we, like, if you're going to say something and you're going to end up getting attacked for saying it, you know, like, it's like, it's not necessarily that everything needs to be about being received, but it is definitely about like, is this like, first of all, what type of relationship do you want to have with this person? Right. So like, if you're going to say something and you know, you're going to get attacked and you know that this person isn't going to be a long in a long-term relationship, you're not going to be in a long-term relationship with them, whether it's like friendship or relationship, like it's not necessarily maybe worth having that conversation. So it's really all about feeling into, okay, what does that, you know, what does that look like? And right. really like, it's like, okay, it may not, you know, like, do I want to have the type of relationship where I am vulnerable, where I am open, where I am communicating? So it's definitely always, for me, it's always, it's, it's kind of that line that, you know, that I'm writing, but I do really, the, the focus really has become, it's like, okay, like to recenter in myself. Cause I do know from like old patterns, it was definitely all about, um, yeah. sort of just like, like, okay, uh, you know, they want to do this and right. this is what they need. And I, like, I totally wasn't in touch with what, you know, what was important to me and what I needed. Right. right. So I've always been, you know, I'm very easygoing. So, you know, when somebody says, do you want to do this? I'll always say yes, unless I don't want to do it. So it's like, okay. And people thought, oh, well, you're just too easy. It's not that I'm easy. It's that it doesn't matter to me. When it matters to me, I will let you know. And then we won't do it. You know? <laughs> And that's, that's just me being authentic. I mean, we're all different, right? Yeah, but it no. is very easy to c comply because you want them to like you and, you know, oh, do you like, you know, do you like, do you watch football? Uh, yeah, I love football. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I don't ever want to watch it. Um, so you have to be honest with them. You have to be careful to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did get that, get that question recently. And I, I, it was interesting because I noticed what I did with it. Right. Which was initially to go, yeah, like I enjoy watching it. <laughs> and then I kind of like self-corrected in the middle of like saying that I was like, you know, like I can get into it if, you know, somebody that I know is watching it, but I don't choose to watch it. So it kind of right. like, you know, it was like that noticing, okay, here's what I did with this. And like, okay, wait, what's really, really truthful, 
for me. So that but was you saw, you saw yourself fast forward into weekends of sitting there watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, let me be, be specific. Let me clear this up for you. Okay. Yeah, we're not going to be watching football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's really good. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful to be authentic and you need to know yourself. And like you said, know your audience and know where you want to go with this person. I used to, um, when I was single, I used to meet in, in, um, in bookstores, like, like a big chapters or I don't know what they have in England there. Um, but it'd be like a really big bookstore and you could wander around and they'd have all kinds of things in a coffee shop in there because I like to read and I couldn't imagine myself with somebody who, who actually didn't read, you know? Or, or know things because that's where it was really important to me. And, and oh, I go, oh, I read this and I read this and I, oh, yeah, I read that too. And oh, I interviewed that person. <laughs> and I could walk around. And, and actually, my husband today, he hadn't read one book. <laughs> He's read well, one book in his whole life, I think. You know? But, well, oh. I was you know? going to say that gets like, it gets you into the question. Like, it's like, you know, when you're thinking about your partner, right? You, cause you ended up picking a partner here. It was like, this was like something that was important to you. And then you ended up picking a partner who <laughs> was like, you know, what? in the end it was, it was like, there was other attributes that he had. And, you know, if, if I could save that for, you know, reading is a lonely activity anyway. I mean, yes, you can discuss <laughs> the book, but you know, I can discuss the books with lots of people. I can discuss the books on air, right? So it really, in the end, was it, you know, if you put it on that scale of one to 10, how important is it? And, you know, it was, wasn't that important. Yeah. It was important yeah. that he was intelligent. That was important, but it wasn't important that he had read everything that I had. <laughs> yeah, absolutely being mindful about yeah like it's like oh is this really important <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 there's a big distinction distinction because it's not only how important is it to you um you know that that it's red or green but you know on the scale of one to ten how important is it you know if it's red or green but then how important is it really to the scheme of your life important you right. know exactly. two kinds of important yeah, well, and it's interesting, like I would use the example for me of exercise, right? It's like mm-hmm. I definitely know that I need a partner who's active um, and who, you know, like likes to do things that are physical, but does he need to come with me to dance class? No, <laughs> you know, so right. I would definitely use that as a good example. Yeah, and, you know, um, Amanda, you're married, right? Yes, I am married, yeah. And when- so how, how does your husband feel about, you know, is, is he somebody who's very um, – empathetic like you or does he get it oh yeah he gets it but he's very we're very different so I'm all about you know the sharing the talking the connection and he's much more private he allows me that space to go and do all of that uh he's he's the kind of steady rocky foundation really um that uh enables me to sort of go back but you know we've been together 23 years married 20 um so it's interesting hearing what you're saying about being authentic because I think that's been a real journey for both of us to um you know reinvent ourselves you go through different cycles of change when you're together that long and and learning to be truthful is really challenging when you're when you're married um I think it's it's something I've really, really struggled with, it, how yeah. to be truthful without being hurtful, um, but which yet to remain, which is, which is very difficult. And I often haven't had a filter. So, you know, yeah. it's, been, oh. it's been all out there. But yeah. I've learned to, you know, there are some things, as you say, that don't need to be said. Um, but on the other hand, in coaching, we talk about the withhold is, is, is a lie. So if, if, you, mm-hmm. if you don't tell your partner something, 
that's, you know, mm -hmm. really meaningful to you, then yes. that withhold is a lie for them. And they can't read minds and expect to, and you can't expect them to be that person you want them to be if they yeah. don't know about it. Yeah. I think I think that's very true. And I think if you, as long as you stay in the I, you know, I feel, I want, I need, right. Rather, right. rather than, you know, you don't do this or you make me feel bad. I think that's that's always good to center, to stay with. Well, actually, I feel this. Right. Um, and give that person the space to then say how they feel without trying to tell them what you think they should do. Yeah. Well, nobody's supposed to make you feel anything except for yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you work with kids, you know, they go, well, I feel really bad or my mom makes me feel bad because um, of whatever, you know, how do you handle, I mean, they're young, they're young kids. I know with my own kids, you know, when, once they hit their mid twenties and they're like, well, you did this to me. I'm like, listen, buddy, you're grown up now. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might've did that to you at one point, yeah. but I, I haven't been in your life like that for a really long time. I don't tell you what to wear. So, you know, it's time to make your own choices and, right. and we can all do that. So with children, how do you, how do you work with them that in that well, respect for truth? You're right. Children don't say thing, things as grown-ups would. You know, they wouldn't say, well, my mom makes me feel this way or, or that way. But they do speak through the objects and mm -hmm. in the room. So, um, you know, various, various objects can stand in for mum and dad and they can then speak their truth through those objects. So they, they do get to say all those things. But I guess the difference is I'm not there to judge or criticise I'm there to empathize. So, right, and, right. and I'm, not, I'm not there to tell them it's different. If that's their view of the world, if that's how they feel, I'm there to, as I say, to, to empathize and to reflect back uh, because that's their reality. You know, that's, right. that's how they feel at that time. So it's not about you're walking again. I think you're walking again. In the book, you know, um, Isaac's friend baked him cookies and baked him sweets, uh, treats to make him feel better. And th that's something that oftentimes parents will do, you know, here, let's give them a sweet and shut them up. Um, we, we only got a minute here. We're going to go on a break, but is that, was that intentional or is that just because it's a nice thing to do? That's a really great question. Um, I think it was simply that it was an, it was a nice thing to do. Uh, I hadn't thought about it from that point of view, actually, of it being a, do you mean it like a bribe of some sort? Well, like a metaphor. Yeah. I mean, because mm. that's what, that's what parents do here. I'll give you a lollipop, right? I'll buy you, I'll buy right. you this chocolate bar. Now you're good yeah. to go. I think Jenny is definitely representing, uh, the idea that sometimes it's about trying to help, trying to fix. Okay. Yeah. When it's actually not about that. And that, clearly, I got that idea, but yeah, I just yeah. thought I'd mention it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Great point. <laughs> do you, so if you're listening, do you give, you know, candy to your kids? We're going to a break right now. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back with Deborah and Amanda. No, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Shh. Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rollins Presents Beautiful Business Radio where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time 
only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Stress can affect your health and lead to depression, diabetes, hair loss, and obesity, just to name a few. Harvard Medical School says that if stress persists, the adrenal glands release a hormone called cortisol, and cortisol increases appetite and may also ramp up motivation in general, including the motivation to eat. Once a stressful episode is over, cortisol levels should fall. But if the stress doesn't go away, or if a person's stress response gets stuck in the on position, cortisol may stay elevated. This hormone could lead to overeating and weight gain. For those who have chronic stress, finding ways to manage it is not only good for your emotions, it is imperative to your weight and health. Exercise and activity is your best defense for releasing stress. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. And welcome back. I'm Frankie Picasso, your host. If you have a child who has been through a traumatic event, who is grieving, you might want to look for a counselor such as Amanda. Uh, Amanda, I know that you're across the pond, but tell folks um, or give them your website, please. And then maybe if there's an organization that they can look up around the world, I don't know, maybe they can look out for that or you could help them. I don't know. Oh. Yes, the URL for my website is helpingchildrensmileagain.com and you can find details there on my site about organizations who might help uh, if you're grieving. Um, Certainly here there's an organization called Treetops Hospice. I donate 10% of all my uh, royalties from my book, Isaac and the Red Jumper, to that organization. Uh, They provide bereavement support. And, you know, I think it's important to... Um, find the right person at the right time. Sometimes it takes children longer to to work with someone like me. You know, they're, they're not always ready as soon as they've they've had a recent bereavement. It can take weeks or, or months even. Mm-hmm. Um, but the signs to pay attention to are, is your child sleeping? Are they eating? Uh, are they, re- you know, hiding? Are they remaining sort of uncommunicative? Those are always the signs when it's a good idea to to get a play therapist involved who can, give them that space to, you know, to express themselves. I was looking up um, sand therapy the other day because I thought, gee, I would like to do that. That looks like a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, sand sand play therapy is amazing because it really is literally, you are creating a world in the sand. It's an extraordinary process. Yeah, I would would highly recommend it for for adults. Yeah. Well, no, I meant to, to, to offer it, you know, cause it'd be fun to be the counselor with that, but I, I thought that looked great. And Deborah, um, it's your website is debrahacker.com and it's D E B O R A H. Yes. A C K E R. Yes. And if you're looking mm-hmm. to find your own truth, if you're looking for coaching and to transform your life and, and change, there's someone that you can contact to do that. Awesome. So it's Valentine's day. Um, what are you guys going to buy your partners? What are you going to get? Any ideas? Or what do you want to do? I have no idea. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm single, so I'm going to buy myself something. <laughs> I wrote an article about that um, on, we're on uh, oh, what's that website? 
I don't remember what it's called now, but it's still up there. I know it's still up there about treating yourself as a, as your own Valentine if you don't have anybody. Yeah, yeah, it's a you yeah. know. Well, and I think that there's just it's like an unnatural pressure that comes around this holiday because it's like I wrote a blog post about this this week, which is like um, sort of like we can always be in love, right? We can always be choosing love. We can always be focused on love. So it doesn't have to be just this like one time a year <laughs> for right. a couple of weeks, right? you know? And so, yeah. Um, yeah. I had that conversation with my husband the other day, actually, because I said to him, um, you know, he, 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 he wanted to, to excommunicate his brother because of his political views on Facebook. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, like people are allowed to think what they want. However, you know, think about love in, in the in the greater sense in, in that, yeah, you don't like what he's thinking, but he's still a human being. He's still your brother. He's, you know, somebody that is is a lovely person. And And if we can stop judging people and just love them, in the greater sense, it's so much nicer. I mean, we'd be walking in a much nicer world. And just having compassion for them, right? You know, yeah. it's like, um, I always say it's like, you know, it's, it, this is a good example. Like when we're like, you, when you're, say when you're driving and the person that you know, the person in front of you, cause maybe you're following them. Like if they do something that's a little bit like where you're like, we're, we're with anyone else, you might have some choice words. Right. <laughs> for them. You just right. have that compassion and you just have that love for them. Right. And so it's kind of like, just like that in every day of life. Right. It's like, it's like that piece of just, can I just treat strangers like I would my family, my friends and bring in that compassion and love. No, you're a twin. You have a twin sister. You're a twin. So yes. do you, do, is it, do you practice on her to love yourself? <laughs> Oh, well, you know, I chose that relationship specifically. It's a relationship about choosing love because we could not be farther, like we're night and day. And so we could not be more farther, like, you know, and so it it really is a wonderful, beautiful, amazing reminder of, okay, how can I bring in more love in this moment? So, uh, yeah, it's, I'm very grateful for that relationship. That's funny. <laughs> what are you going to do, Amanda? Is it big over there? Is Valentine's Day a big deal? It's it's huge. It's everywhere. It starts literally uh, mid January and goes oh, wow. right up until until Valentine's. Yeah, it's it's huge. But I I think you make a really good point, Deborah. I think it's about loving loving yourself and each other. You know, the other three hundred and sixty four days of the year, not mm. just on Valentine's and and sending you know, special messages or cards at, at any time, really, which is, you know, what I try to do. Um, so, yeah, I think every day is special. I go to bed really. later than my husband, and, and he gets up earlier than me. So we always have an email card or something waiting for mm. the other every day. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And it, it's nice because, you know, you wake up with a smile and he goes to bed with, you know, a smile or whatever. And you're, you know that you're thinking about them before um, you leave the home. And, and it, it's really nice. It's a nice touch and mm. uh, keeps you connected when you're not, you know. Yeah. Because I think those endorphins come out when you think, have loving thoughts to your partner. It helps. It does. And I think you, you said, Deborah, about, I think it's about accepting you know, the other person as they are, not trying to change them, just yeah. accepting. There's a lot of love that comes through acceptance. Yeah. Um, I see it in the, in the playroom, you know, it's one of the, um, the guiding principles that I, I work to is to accept the child where they are and for who they are and not, you know, not try and change them. And I think it's, I see a lot of parents really struggle with that, really, really struggle. You know, if only he'd say this or do that or do it differently, but 
it's just about accepting people as they are sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, it's like when you tune into that energy, right? So it's like if mm. you think about how we feel when we're not accepted, it's like it's so heavy and it hurts right. so bad. And um, and it's just it's one of those things. And so it's like to have that reflected to us, like, like we could just it's it's okay. It's safe to be who we are and we can just yeah. like be who we are. I mean, right. there's something so beautifully powerful about that. It's, it's what we're all gift. trying to get back to. I mean, everybody who's in therapy right now is mm. just trying to get back to being who they are, who they're supposed yeah. to be, who they were before all the garbage, before they got socialized, you know, yeah. and, and, and all that stuff got imprinted in their subconscious. So really, we're all just trying to be us and yeah. love us for who we are. Mm. And, and well, that's why so many people, I think, have such a problem with self-love because, you know, that, that acceptance of self is so difficult because it's so difficult for other people because they're so judgmental. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like as a piece of that, like for me, the way that I have really stepped into true presence, right. To be present in every moment has been that release of all of the childhood feelings and emotions I had had stored inside of me. Right. And so as I release those, there's nothing, there's nowhere else I can be, but here, right. I can't be in my past. I'm not in my future. I'm right here. And so it's just, there's something so powerful, you know, when, as you start to love yourself and really honor the hurt and that those feelings that can, you know, that happened when you were, you know, when you were growing up, when our parents were just trying to be our parents and they were just trying to do the best that they knew how in that right. moment. And it's like, there's something so powerful about that. Cause it really just brings you into true presence. Absolutely. You know, I told my kids, I said that you didn't come with a guidebook. You really didn't, you know, everything's on the fly. You got to figure it out as you go. <laughs> and, you know, nobody said I was going to have a screaming, crying kid for whatever. And nobody, you know, like I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> I signed up for the cute, cuddly, you know, kissable ones. <laughs> so, you know, it's it, everybody, I think they really do try to do the very best with what they know or how they grew up um, knowing, right? That's all we know until, until we're educated, until we know better. Yeah, absolutely. But love is the way to go. So I really quickly, because we don't have that much time, I do want to talk about um, world travel. Because you said, um, Deborah, that you love to travel and you've been on every continent, which is very unusual for Americans because they don't usually leave the country. Yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, part of my, like, part of my path here, part of my journey here is, like, really experiencing, well, it's, like, it's taking on all of life and really jumping in and diving into that adventure, diving into that um, fearlessness. And then uh, the piece of it, too, is just, like, you know, it's experiencing all culture, cultures, right, and realizing there's there's beauty everywhere and there's beauty in the differences. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, so many times we, um, you know, we make something wrong because it's different. And it is so wonderful and yummy when you get to experience like these like beautiful places and just the people that are all over the world because everybody has a gift, has a truth. And it's just, it's just really wonderful to connect into that and tap into that. So what was your favorite place to go? Oh my gosh. I like, I have one on every continent, but, um, my, one of my top ones was Australia. So <laughs> like Sydney, I got a free trip out there, which uh, like, wow which was awesome. Like, like basically about a year earlier, I said, I'm going to go to Australia at the end of the next year. And I kind of totally forgot. I even said that. Right. Mm -hmm. And my, um, 
stepmom flies for United. And so about a month before the end of the following she's year. She's a pilot or is she a stewardess? She's a stewardess. And so she, um, about a month before the end of the year, my dad calls me up and he's like, do you want to go to Australia? <laughs> and I was uh, like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was my last continent too. So it was like, oh yeah, of course I do. <laughs> and so ended up like getting the opportunity to go with her on one of her trips, which was like, so it was wonderful. It was really fabulous. Wow. What about you, Amanda? I've lived in uh, South Africa, actually. I lived in South Africa um, for 10 years in the late 70s. Yeah. Uh, I was born in England, but went out to live there with my parents. My father was there on business. And it was a, you know, it was a time of great upheaval and struggle uh, at that time. But um, looking back, it was also, you know, incredibly instructive for me to be uh, exposed to that kind of regime, if you like. I learned a lot about equality and diversity and, uh, you know, seeing different cultures. It really was fascinating. Yeah. Amazing place. I have a friend who lives in South Africa. Ah, yeah. And and she lived in England, too, for a little while. She's just gone back. But absolutely mm. amazing. And it is, uh, you know, she wrote a book called Saving Mandela's Children, a mm. fabulous book. Oh, wow. I looked that book. up. Yeah. 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 Really, really good. Yeah. But the struggle that she had raising, um, you know, she had a group home for, for children and orphanage and just absolutely incredible. Well, mm. okay. I hear, I see one minute left. I want to thank both of you ladies for being my guest today. It was really fun to hang out with you. Thank you so much for that. And, you know, I guess wherever you are in the world and you're listening to the show and you download the show, please share it with your friends. And if you have a child who is struggling, you know, look at some of the signs that Amanda mentioned about not sleeping, eating, maybe acting out violently. And if you're, you know, dating and and your pattern has been to invite the wrong you know, person into your life over and over again, then maybe you want to look at uh, what Deborah's talking about and just find your own truth and find those patterns and uh, limiting beliefs that you have and, and blow them out of your, blow them out of your subconscious and try to do something new. <laughs> anyway, well, goodbye, everybody. Thanks. Thanks so <laughs> Thank much. Thank you so much. Me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.